today I want to preach a, a message called commitment that brings miracles. Commitment that brings miracles. How many in this room, by a quick show of hands, would say you are anticipating and waiting for a miracle of God in some way in your life? Amen. Me too. Today I want to talk about that. This is going to be a faith-building message, I believe, to start stretching us towards everything that the Lord has for us. Amen? And I want to read Psalm 37, 5, and we're going to pray. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Hallelujah. That's the ESV version. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. I'm going to read it again. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Committing and trusting. Commitment is directly connected to what you can do. Trust is directly connected to what he can do. That's faith. Faith and trust are synonymous. When you commit with what he tells you to do, how to do it, where to do it, and trust in by faith, he will act. Can we all say amen? Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments, Lord, I thank you. Your Holy Spirit will speak to us, through us. Lord, to be the world changers you've called all of us to be. Lord, to have the fruit in our life and walk in the fulfillment of the calling you destined each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Commitment that brings miracles. There, there are, there's a pathway to the miraculous. It, it comes in all different angles, but there are paths to the miraculous. In Proverbs 16.3, it says this, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Ooh, I love that one. You know, sometimes we get so busy doing work in the natural, but is it committed to the Lord? Now, do you know that your natural work shouldn't be separated from the call and destiny God has on your life? Sometimes we think, like, well, hey, I do, let's say, construction work or manual labor. How is that connected to my calling? That doesn't seem right. Well, according to the Bible, it absolutely is right. Because everything you put your hands to do is a reflection of the God inside of you. So even if it's something uh, like manual labor that feels disconnected from something over here, or maybe you work in a business room and you're in a board meeting situation, but you know, you, you sell widgets, right? And you're like, man, those widgets have nothing to do with God, I don't feel like. The reality is this, we can always find the disconnect, but the Bible is constantly trying to show you the connection. There is a connection that your life and your day-to-day -day operation on this earth has to a destiny and a calling in the kingdom of heaven. Now, before Christ, your eyes, your path is covered in a veil. That's what the word teaches us. But when you come to know Christ, that veil is removed. And all of a sudden, you see things differently because now you're looking with the eyes of Christ. And now that your eyes are looking at this world different, you, you see people you would have hated and now you can love them. Are you hearing me? You know, we talk about racial hatred. Do you know how to eradicate racial hatred? The eyes of Christ. The love of Christ. Do you know how to eradicate hatred towards a different 
piece of uh, a sect of population or different poor versus rich or all these types of things. It's only through the love of Jesus Christ. You know, God began to change my eyes on this when I began to travel the world because I would go to all these different nations, over 60 countries, and I would encounter a lot of different culture. And that culture made me feel uncomfortable sometimes at first because I didn't understand it and it was new and it was fresh. It had all sorts of new smells. It had all sorts of new uh, ways people did things that was just different than what I was used to. And when I first started going, I'd get really irritable. I'd be like, man, these people stink. Y'all need to put on Old Spice like me. I smell good. And then I was around someone, I'm like, man, you smell that? He's like... I do smell. He's like, it's you. You stick. And I'm like, oh, my deodorant smells bad to you? For real. Like these moments of like realization of culture. That how small-minded we can get as humans. Like my way is the right way, right? <laughs> my culture is the right culture. Because I am me and I am awesome and I am perfect, you know? And then you get outside your, your four walls and you start experiencing life. And you're like, man, you ever eaten this before? And I was like, no, try it. And I remember just trying. I'm like, man, that's good. What is that? They're like, oh, that is. And, man, I've had some crazy response. You know, that is the heart of a chicken or something. And I'm like, okay, it tasted all right, you know. Man, that is the intestine of this animal. That is the cheekbone of this. And you suck the cheek meat off it. And I'm like, it's so good. Give me another one. You know, it's like, you know, you start opening yourself up a little bit to understanding. But when I would get, I specifically remember in the airports, I'd get super claustrophobic at times around people. And I remember I'd be like, I want to like elbow some people, like get off of me. And I'll never forget God dealing with my heart. And the Lord would say, I love everybody the same. Why don't you? And that conviction would hit me. Why don't I love everybody the same? Why do I only seem to love people that fit into my mold, that smell a certain way, look a certain way, eat a certain food? Isn't that the epitome of the shortcomings of the human race? But see, with God and Christ leading our life, we begin to see with a much wider view, and we begin to see the earth as a whole. You begin to understand that God loves all people. In fact, all people are God's creation. And you start going, huh. Now, are all people serving God? No, 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 no. Many do not serve God. Many are running from God. Many are doing the opposite of what God desires from, but it doesn't change the fact that he loves them and that they're his children. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And so as we begin to commit our work to the Lord, our plans begin to get established, which is called destiny. So when I was just doing natural work, and I cut a Subway sandwich I mentioned earlier. It didn't feel like Jesus was in that, you know? But I had moments where, where my coworkers were crazy. I mean, they were teenagers. I was a teenager. One, one girl had her boyfriend over once, and they were supposed to be cleaning the back. And I went back, and she was giving him an oil massage with the oil of the sandwiches. Yeah. Get out of here. Ugh. How do I clean this to serve a person now, you know? You know, these silly moments we have in life where you're like, There's, Jesus is not in this room, you know? like. <laughs> 
But I began to realize that even the simplest task, that I could actually be kind to a person. I could serve them a sandwich with a smile. I could ask them how their day was going. And, and all of a sudden, like, they might light up, like, oh, my day's terrible. I'm like, Man, I'm sorry to hear that, you know? Man, I hope this sandwich makes your day better, sir, you know? And just <laughs> trying to just, you know, get people engaged. And, and I remember I had moments of prayer where I'd actually, a door would open. And I'd be like, man, can I pray with you? Because it was in me. I couldn't hide it. Just because I rocked the green hat didn't mean Jesus was hidden. Because the essence of who I was, and I'm like, man, can I? And they're like, well, I guess here at Subway. I'm like, amen. I'm not only your sandwich artist, I'm your prayer warrior. Hallelujah. You know? And, you know, I would have moments of breakthrough in these meetings. And I began to understand little by little, if I'm committing my work to the Lord, he will begin to establish his plans in whatever work that I put my hands to do. So today I want to talk about commitment that begins to bring miracles. Now, number one, commitment requires tenacity. So let's talk about commitment for a, f- a few moments. You guys can, I always encourage you to take pictures of this, write it down, because I want you to grab this. Commitment requires tenacity. Now, if you've ever heard the term a disciple of Christ, the root of that word is disciple, right, is discipline. And so discipline and disciple are hand in hand, that the disciples of Jesus were walking in a discipline of learning how to walk like Jesus. And therefore, to us today, we would call ourselves disciples, or you have a discipleship program in church, right? Or, hey, let's, you know, walk through a discipleship planning And these types of things are all connected back to learning the disciplines that Jesus himself walked and lived in and taught us to do. It's commitment. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What's he trying to say? When you commit to the kingdom, you have to all in. You have to go all in. When he called the fishermen, he said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, not fish. What they didn't do was Tuesday and Wednesday go fish, and then Thursday follow Christ, and then Friday go find their bait, and then Saturday try to find Christ again, right? And there was not this in and out pattern that they walked in. They gave it all up and said, Lord, I am all in for you. Lead me, and I'll follow. Lead me, and I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. It was a commitment, but it requires tenacity. The, the ability to withstand the challenges that come from that commitment. In James 5.12, it says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but just let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. That's how many times do we want to really prove that we're committed, that we don't just say, I'll be there. We'll say, I swear on the grave of Elder Grandpa Campbell. (laughs) What? Dude, are you coming Saturday or not? Grandpa Campbell's dead, you know. You know, I swear to God. Have you ever heard that one? And the script said, don't do that. You can't swear on God's behalf. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word produce the fruit it's going to produce. Now, every time we say yes and don't come through, it produces negative fruit. We have to understand that our words, just like the words of our creator, were made in his likeness and image, and he created the heavens and the earth with his words. Words are powerful. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
So when we talk about your yes being yes and no being no, when we say yes to something, when we commit to something, that comes with a price tag that's heavy. And it requires tenacity to hold on to that commitment through every storm and every season. Now, society challenges commitment more than ever. We are in one of the most fluid, transient societies ever to walk the face of the earth. Transportation, I can get from Denver to Nepal in 55 hours to our, to our orphanage. Now, you might think that feels like a long time, and for me it is. It feels long. 55 hours feels like a long time. But when I go back 200 years and thought, how would I have gotten to Nepal 200 years ago? It was a lot longer than 55 hours. Months of travel. Ocean through a slow boat for months. And then you had to ride horses and camels and trains. And hopefully you lived to make it there. You know, we live in a day and age we can literally go around the world. One time I went literally around the world in seven days. Around the world in 88, I can do it in seven. Come on. And I literally went one way to India and Nepal, and then I, my flights had me go the other way around. By the time I got home, I, I went around the whole world this week. I mean, isn't that a wild thought? That's the power of modern transportation. Technology's this way, right? Hey, buy your house, sell your house, buy your house, sell your house. You want to sell your house now? Choose me, you know? I'm on your Facebook. Pick me. I'll buy your house right now. You know, it, it makes everything go fast. Man, I want to move today. Okay, sell your house right now to this guy. You know, Richie Joe, I don't know. You know, you got these guys that'll buy your house, sight unseen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That our society, we're quick to move. We're quick to change. We're quick to like, you know, I'm not feeling it right now. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to move. I'm going to get out. Marriage, ooh, can be this way in modern day society if we're not careful. Right? Because we're quick to move. It's hard. It's hard. A commitment's not designed always to be easy. Can we say amen? But commitment brings miracles. That's what we're talking about today. So we have to look at all these different things and challenges and things that come our way. But society challenges commitment more than ever. Miracles require faith and commitment like we just read. So when you say yes to God, it's going to require sacrifice of something else. This can be something big. This can be something small. This can be even serving in a local church, right? This could be serving your, your work. I mean, Terry and I have hired and, uh, different people at times to work for the ministry. And, and when we go through the interviewing process, sometimes we get people's resumes. And, man, they got 52 jobs on there in the last year. And I'm like, man. And when I ask them, man, you've worked a lot of places. Like, nobody gets me. I'm like, ugh. Maybe not. <laughs> but there's something to it, right, where it's like the second we don't feel like it's right for us, I'm out. Now, remember my job at Subway I mentioned? I wanted to work there for one reason. My friend, his name was Drew, worked at Subway. And he said, bro, I got this great job at Subway, man. It pays great. It pays $4 an hour, man. So, but how fun would it be to work the weekends together? And then, like, after work, we just go hang out. I was like, that's an amazing idea, Drew. You're the genius. He's like, all right, the boss, his name Big Bob. I'm going to tell Big Bob you're going to work for him. So I go and meet with Big Bob. And Big Bob was big, you know? And so I said, hey, Big Bob. And he said, so you want to work for Subway? I'm like, yeah. He's like, great. 
So we sit down, have the interview. He's like, I'll give you a call. So then a week goes by. I don't hear from Big Bob. I'm telling my friend, man, Bob didn't call me. He's like, he'll call you, man. He'll call you. And then next week, Bob called me. He's like, great news. We got an opening. You want it? I'm like, yes, I'm in. He's like, great. So you start tonight. So I go in, and I call my friend. I'm like, bro, I'm at work. Where are you? He's like, oh, I quit. <laughs> I quit. I was, I'm out. I said, I took your job. That's where the opening came from. And you didn't think to tell me? He's like, just quit too. Quit with me, man. We'll do something else. So I tell my parents, I'm like, yeah, I got this job. But I'm going to quit. And my, my, my mom and dad are like, uh-uh. You made a commitment. You shall work there six months. Or the wrath of God shall be upon thee. I'm like, why are you talking King James? You know, my parents were talking King James, you know. And I worked at Subway for six months, mad at my friends for quitting. But God did something. Even in that little time, I learned about commitment. I learned about doing things I didn't want to do. I learned that I didn't think I was good at it. And then over time, I learned it, and I was all right at it. And the point is this. If we never make commitments to things, we never grow as people. We never grow in our gifts. We never step out of our comfort zone. I, I mean, praying for a couple of people through my sandwich making, I'd never done anything like that where I stepped out of my comfort zone, and God met me where I was at. Commitment requires tenacity. Now, let's, let's talk about commitment will be heavily challenged. When you make commitments, they're heavily challenged. We can't make decisions of our commitments based on circumstances. If you pray and you feel in your heart to say yes to something, you can't allow circumstances to now dictate that yes. Otherwise, you'll be, as James says, a wave tossed back and forth. Don't expect to receive anything from God. Circumstances cannot dictate your commitment. Your commitment has to override the circumstances. That means despite... uh, Anything that happens, you're going to be there. Matthew 5, 37, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more comes from the evil one. Jesus tells us to be faithful in small things. He'll make you ruler over much. The goal is to gain strength from on high so you can overcome anything. The Bible tells us in Revelation, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. This is about overcoming the challenges. When you say yes, I don't care what the commitment level is, there will be a challenge to your yes, especially if it was done through the Spirit. When you make a yes to God, (laughs) get ready for some challenges. The challenges will be there. I remember I I said yes to being a worship pastor when I was 15 years old at my father's church, and he had a big church, hundreds of people, big worship team, 50 people on the team at the time, And it grew and all these great things. But I remember I was the guy. I hadn't learned how to develop other people yet or or, or have a number two or three in the in the it was me. Because I thought I was invincible. Yeah, most 15, 16 year olds do, right? Well, there came a day where I got sick. And I was sick. I wasn't feeling good. I said, Dad, I'm not doing good. He's like, Okay. Sorry to hear that, son. How many songs did you have on the set today? I'm like, five. He's like, well, we could do four. I think I could work with four. Okay, four songs. 
you got it, Dad. <laughs> and I remember I got up there and I was playing, singing, and I, I had a sick bucket off the side. And I, in between songs, I said, y'all clap your hands for a long time. And I'd run off. <sighs> How many songs left? Three. No joke. I had many times like that where it was like, hey, I got to do this. I had a commitment to fulfill. Now, as I grew older, I got smarter. God gave me wisdom. I raised up other people. So I didn't have to have a sick bucket every time. Because you go through certain circumstances, you go, I do not want to do that again. That was bad. But I didn't quit. And the point is this. Don't quit just because you have a hardship come up. I, I believe the enemy challenges us so many different ways in so many different timings to see, will you have the tenacity to stick it out? Will you overcome these challenges? But let me just tell you, the battles, if, if he can win over every little battle, you'll always have the little battles. You just will. If every time something comes up, you're like, that wins, I'm not going to church today. That wins, I'm not going to serve today. That wins, I'm not showing up today. Every time that happens, you lost a battle. Now, there's moments. Hear me out. I'm not a heartless jerk, okay? Believe me. There are moments where you're in a hospital bed. You can't move. Okay. There are moments where sick bucket is the nice part of the sickness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Those are rare. Those should be rare. I'm talking about all the other stuff. Now, one of the things that our mentor taught us was how to anticipate the battles. So when Terry and I started having babies, and we also had a lot of responsibilities at the church, we had to start anticipating Babies demand a lot. They demand, you know, being changed and fed, and they're going to cry and throw temper tantrums, right, and all these different types of things. But we had commitments as a couple. We were youth pastors. We had kids that were depending on us, not just our own children, but children at the, young people at the church. And so we began to have moments where it was like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We can't be there. We, you know, we'd share. We'd pass. You know, there'd be moments where I'd go up and speak and Terry would have the kid outside and vice versa. And we'd, we'd find these ways. We also started to anticipate, you know what? It seems like every time we have an event, we have a major challenge with one of our children. We started to pre-anticipate the battle. Said, we need help. We're going to enlist help before the battle ever comes. I'm going to pre-anticipate the battle is going to happen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do, do you know what we were doing all day yesterday? Shoveling. Getting it out of the way. Because I'm like, I'm not going to let snow hinder us from getting to church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pre-anticipate. I got church tomorrow. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. I better be there. That the simplest of actions can help pave a path for you to have victory when the, your commitment is challenged. But he who overcomes shall inherit all things. Now, one of our mentors, Dr. Marilyn Hickey, said the greatest battles you'll ever face in life are in your home, period. Your marriage, your children, relationships, it's in your home. That is where the greatest battles are going to be. So do you know what we, when we started to anticipate battles, we started to understand the greatest battleground is going to be attacked between us. We had to pray more. We had to uh, synergize our life more. Something Terry and I do almost every day as a couple, we synergize our life. What's our life look like this week, today, in big picture? 
almost every single day. Because in marriage, lives can go different paths pretty quick. You have different careers. You have different things you're doing. Uh, in our life, I travel a lot. I, I'm, I'm moving. I'm going where God's sending me. Do you know quickly in a marriage, that can create separation. So we constantly are talking, praying together. Should I even go on this trip? I don't care. It's an opportunity. I want you to pray about it, too. And so she prays. I pray. We always are back in synergy saying before we say yes, because we honor our yeses. Before I say yes, we have to have a yes between her and I first pre-anticipating the battles there is an honoring that takes place when you honor the 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 realms of your primary ministry as a man and as a husband i'm the covering of my house i must honor this first yeah well i'm the man i got to make money sure but if you don't honor your post as a husband and as a father doesn't matter how you get that money in fact satan will tempt you with money to remove you from your post But if we honor our roles as the head of the house and we say, you know what, this isn't jiving with us. I'm saying no to that opportunity, no to the money, no to whatever's come, the the, the gain that might come from it, because I'm honoring what's in our hearts and synergy. God will never leave you, never forsake you. He always takes care of the needs. And I'm telling you what, it's one of the secrets that Terry and I, being married almost 18 years now, have shared to say we have a really healthy, loving marriage. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, and, and I believe for our children, we have a, a really great relationship with all three of our children. But it's on purpose, and it's daily. You have to pre-anticipate the battles and understand the primary battleground is going to be in your home. And too many times, especially in ministry, I hear people say, well, well, I got to, uh, you know, hey, I'm serving Jesus. Jesus did not call you to abandon your post. Your number one calling is that post. Everything else is secondary to that. And when you see these ministers out there acting a fool and they're having affairs and their homes are being destroyed and it's happening all the time. Do you know why? Because they're chasing something and they abandon their post. And the enemy will allow fame and money and all these things to come to corrupt. But when we stay locked, uh-uh. Holy Spirit, my number one post is my home, is my family, is my children. If that's not in order, nothing's in order. You know, in the Bible, it talks about this too. It says you can't even be a deacon in the church if your house is out of order. That this is the number one calling as, as uh, people of God to have our homes in order. And therefore, you should anticipate the greatest attacks will be in your home. How do you overcome it? Everything we're talking about. Prayer, the word, prayer, the word, go to church, prayer, the word, go to church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to arm up so that we can overcome the challenges as they come our way. And when you see devil's head popping his head up, you cast it out in Jesus name and you will have victory every time. Hallelujah. (laughs) Commitment will bring miracles. Let's talk about that. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily is for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Hallelujah. Commitment will bring miracles. The miracles of the dream in your heart are realized through your commitment to that dream. Saying yes and sticking to it brings favor on your life and the dream. Sometimes the challenging testing season may last for weeks, months, or even years. But stay faithful. God will always come through. 
I have the opportunity now in my phase of life to minister to a lot of pastors. And I encourage them. And sometimes these leaders are saying, brother, I, I'm struggling, right? Pastors are just like any other human at times. And sometimes I say, brother, how long has it been? How long has the struggle been? Sometimes like, man, it's been six months or it's been a year. Sometimes, man, it's been like three years. And a lot of times I encourage and remind people to say, listen, do you remember like in the Bible, like Joseph, he was sold into slavery. And you go through this journey of this man's crazy life of persecution. And he'd be here for three years until he was moved to another thing. Five years, seven years. That sometimes too, even in the journey, they'll be like, and so-and-so struggled seven years. Then the victory came. And it's like, we forget the seven-year scripture. That there are moments and seasons of our life that are very difficult. But these are the times when you hold fast to your commitments that God will show up. He will provide. Just like the children of Israel, they never starved to death. God even provided manna for them. It, it, it was there for them every morning, every night. Whatever your needs are, God will provide it even in the testing, in the challenging. I'm reminded of the widow in Elisha in the Old Testament. And she was on her last food. She had oil and meal for one for one more meal for her and her child. They're going to eat it and die. There was a famine in the land. And Elijah came and he said, hey, if you will make me the cake first, God says you'll never run out until the famine's over. And that's what she did. By faith, she made the cake as the man of God instructed. And God did a miracle. Her oil never ran out. Her flour never ran out. She was sustained through this famine. Now, the famine still existed. The famine lasted a few more years. But God sustained. She was expecting death. But because of her faith, God sustained her. And once the famine was lifted, she walked in a season of miracles and harvest. Even in your season of famine, God produces miracles when you stay committed. Oh, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to stay committed. Commitment will bring miracles. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Last point today, and I'll be done. We're going to pray. Commitment begins with the small yes. The small yes. I'm not going to read it today, but I encourage you to read this on your own. So if you'd like to write down the scripture reference, it's Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. This is a story called the parable of the talents. And in this story, there was a man, a business owner, and he was leaving on a long trip and he called together his three servants. And he gave to each of them an amount of money. To one, he gave five bags of silver. To another, two bags of silver. And to another, one bag of silver. And he said, I want you to take this, sew it, and bring me a return. So it goes through the whole story that the one with five bags sewed it, and he got five bags in return. He gave the, the master ten bags. And then the next one, he had two bags, and he sewed it, and he got back two more bags, and he gave him four bags. He doubled. Both of them doubled. But the man with the one bag of silver got scared. He buried it in the ground. And when the master came back, he dug it up and he said, here you go, master. Here's your bag of silver. He said, why didn't you invest it? Why didn't you do something with it? He said, I was scared. He says, you were scared? And he begins to rebuke him. He says, they were faithful with the small thing now they're going to be rulers over much. And they took what he was scared of and gave it to the one who had sown. 
that there is a principle here that Jesus was trying to reveal to us that even in the smallest of tasks, even in the smallest of commitments, your yes holds great weight in the kingdom of heaven. And the, in this parable, the man who had five versus the one who had two, there was no difference between them because they took what they had and gave it all. But the one who had the least, it wasn't that he had the least, it was that he did nothing with that yes. He told the master, yes, I'll do it. You know, sometimes that can translate into the simplest of things in our life if we're not careful. Yeah, I'll serve once a year. And then your once a year rotation comes like, nah, I'm busy. I mean, isn't that the truth, though? Oh, God, use me in a great way. Hey, can you serve in kids? Nah, nah, I'm busy. Little rugrats, I don't have time for them. Oh, God, give me a promotion at work, and your boss comes. Hey, we really need all hands on deck. We got an overtime project. I mean, the company needs you. I would love to, boss man, but I already have plans. We got tickets to the play. We're going out tonight. I'm so sorry. But next time, you know I'm your man. You know I'm your man next time. It doesn't mean anything. We are passing up the moments God's trying to rain blessing, but it all comes back to can we say yes, can we say yes to the small yes? The ones who say yes in the small way, Jesus said, I'll make you ruler over many things. I'll bring blessing on your family. I'll open doors that no man can shut. I'll bring you an even bigger door. And I know for Terry and I, even in our journey to expect hope, here we are. I mean, we started the international work back in 2007, you guys. I mean, that's when we, and it was a faith, faith work, still is, very much so. But watching how slow that process was, those first, like, how many years? <laughs> Ten, almost? Eight years of just so slow, it felt like no movement. But there was growth, but it was just little tiny baby growth. And then it was like the next year we saw some massive growth, and then doubling, and then a doubling. And what I'm saying is I know through our journey how much sacrifice we had to make through those years to stay committed to a vision God put in our heart. And now I know we're at a place where we're going to see things through this ministry that you're part of now that will blow all of our minds. The Lord's opening doors that none of us could have seen that he would open. But I do know that if we wouldn't have said yes, and, and really now that we're a part of things all together, your yes is actually the yes that matters for the growth of this ministry. So I want us to, to just say some, I, I just want to close with that. Um, and T, if you can turn on a little worship music. And I just want to invite everyone just for a minute, close your eyes in reverence today. I just want to say a couple words and then we're going to pray. Your yes matters. It matters to the kingdom. It matters to heaven. Your yes is like a key that unlocks your destiny. Your yes, as the scripture says, is like your work that then allows his plans to be established. If you're not working, no plans can get established. But your yes is the work that allows his plans to get established. What is it this year you're believing for? What is it this year that you're seeking God for? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your ministry. Maybe it's all of those things. Where are your yeses right now? What do your yeses look like?
I want you to focus on that today, and I just want us to pray. And for those that are feeling in the spirit, that you're like, you know what? I need to make a commitment and a yes. Now's your chance. Maybe there's been something you've been wrestling with, like, ah, I really need to make a commitment to, to the church. I need to make a commitment to God. Maybe it's with serving. Maybe it's with giving. Maybe it's with uh, something in your business. Whatever it might be, you know those areas. Maybe it's with your relationships. You know, in, in relationships, in our marriages, and in, in these relationships, there's a lot of yeses that we should make, when, especially if things aren't going right. We need to make different yeses and say no to some things that are hindering the growth of our marriage. So God, today, I thank you for the yeses. So let's pray together and turn that worship music up just a touch. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person in this room that, Lord, your Holy Spirit is moving amongst us. You're speaking to us, every man, everyone, those online, watching online. Lord, for the yeses in our heart, for the commitments that you desire. Now, Lord, you have a calling on each of our lives. You have a destiny and a purpose for each and every one of us. So, Lord, now we declare a yes in our spirit, a yes to you, a yes to your will, and a yes to your way. And, Father, I thank you when we say yes. Thank God, Lord, you do what no man can do. We thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God a praise. And... You know what? I feel it's in my spirit. So let's keep our eyes closed for just another moment. Maybe in here, your yes is to Jesus today. Maybe your yes in commitment to serving Christ really has never been committed in your heart. Maybe you've never made that commitment. I want to offer you the opportunity. I always like to ask this question. If you were to die today, do you know where you'd go? Do you have confidence you'd be in heaven? Do you know that you know you'd be in the arms of our Savior, Jesus? Because let me tell you, Jesus is not a religion. Jesus is alive. It's about relationship. And he's beckoning us to come to him. He wants us to come. And all we have to do is freely give our lives to him. And he'll take the sin and the shame and wash it away and make us a new creation. Maybe that's you today. You say, Pastor, I need to say yes to Christ. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ today. Now, in this moment, if I'm speaking to your heart and you're feeling your heart pump a little bit right now and you're like, my goodness, man, I think this is for me. I want you to do something. Nobody's going to be looking at you. This is between you and God. But on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand as a sign of faith that you're saying, that's me. One, two, three. Lift that hand in the room. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. There's many hands in this room going up. You can put your hands down. Praise God. So church, here's, here's what I'd like us to do. As we conclude our time today, I'd like us, to, everybody in the room to stand if you're able. Stand, stand to your feet if you're able. And we're gonna pray together. So there's many hands that just went up and God's moving right now in this place. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer and I want everybody in the room to repeat after me. And the Holy Spirit's gonna hear your prayer today and Jesus is gonna respond to your prayer. It's not the words, it's the heart in which you say them. So repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I surrender my life. I've sinned. I have fallen short. But I receive you today. Wash me in your blood. 
Forgive me of my sins. And I make a commitment to follow you, to serve you all the days of my life. I believe it. I receive it. Amen. Come on, everybody, clap your hands and praise God for that. Hallelujah. Hey, thank you so much for watching today, and I pray the message was a blessing to your life. If you want to stay up to date with all things Expect Hope, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on social media. You know, we can't do what we do without you. And if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry, please go to expecthopechurch.com. You know, it's impossible to meet all the needs without so many faithful supporters just like you. Thank you for your consideration. And if you're ever in the Denver area, we invite you to come join us for a service on Sunday morning. God bless you.